Hey everyone, welcome to another We Are In This Together devotion. It's Matthew here and today I'll be giving the word to you guys. So I'm super encouraged to be back at home. I made my way back from Bible college and I'm here with family now and I'm super excited to see what the Lord is going to do. But for today, I want to talk to you guys about idols and how they offer a false promise. So I want to take you guys to the book of 1 Kings and we'll be in the ninth chapter. So here I just want to provide a little backstory of what happens in the book of Kings. So in 1 Kings, it talks about in the first few chapters, it talks about David passing his kingship to King Solomon because he's of old age. So here it focuses on the reign of King Solomon as well as building of God's temple. So David, as I said, becomes old and it's time for Israel to have a new king. David passes his kingship to Solomon and David specifically instructs Solomon on what God expects from him and the risk of not pleasing God. So this is one of the many examples in the Bible that I want to use to deliver the word today on how idols play a crucial role and how it threatens not only our relationship with God, but every aspect of our life. So today, as I said, we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 9 and I'll be starting in verse 1. So the word says, And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all that Solomon's desire which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes... And my heart will be there perpetually. Now, if you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and in the uprightness, uprightness, excuse me, to do according to all that I have commanded you. And if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever. As I promised David, your father, saying, you shall not fail, but you have a man on the throne of Israel. So here. Here is the specific instructions that God is reaffirming to King Solomon that David had already passed on. So David is the father of Solomon. And like I said, David provided strict instructions of what God has expected Solomon to walk in. And here, you know, it paints the picture that faithfully obeying the law of Moses is the requirements that Israel must meet in order for God to remain with them and to ensure the king a long and prosperous reign. However, the promise of God is that is given to Solomon was conditional. Here in the word, it says Solomon and his sons were expecting to walk in integrity and uprightness. So, you know, many times we think of listening to God and obeying his commands. And, you know, we are released from the Mosaic law, which is the traditional washings and sacrifices. But we are not dismissed from the ethical and moral laws that God has for us. And here we're going to read on in verses 6 to talk about the risk that Solomon had of not following his command. So following up in verse 6, But if you and your sons at all turn from following me, and do not keep my commands and statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut you off, cut off Israel from the land which I had given them. And this my house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Israel would be a proverb and byword among all peoples. And for this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done this? 
and to this land and to this house. Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have embraced other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. So here, the definition for proverb, because in the word it says, Israel will be a proverb and by a byword among all peoples. I was curious, you know, we have the book of Proverbs and, you know, it's a bunch of sayings that heed advice and counsel that is true. So the definition of a proverb is a short sentence often repeated expressing a well-known truth or common fact ascertained by experience or observation. So as you read the book of Proverbs, which is later on in King Solomon's life, we read things that he, he has gone through and things that he has observed and also experienced that he is able to provide truth and wisdom for us today. So here it is saying that God foreknew, God already knew ahead of time that his people would turn their hearts to other gods and idols. God warned his people, but it happened anyway. So as we read on in 1 Kings 11, 1 through 13, I want to take you guys shortly there as well as I turn there. So here we're going to read on how God warned Solomon in his kingship about false gods and false idols and how he should heed the correction and the instructions of the Lord carefully so that he would not fall victim to those things. But we will read in chapter 11 on how his heart turned from the Lord. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they shall with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their God. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his, wife, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, and was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashereth, the goddess of the Saturnites, and after the Milcom of the abomination of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. So going on, skipping down to verse 9, it says, So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who happened... Excuse me. Who happened to have appeared to him twice. And had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep the Lord. He did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this, and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear down the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days, but the sake of your father David. I will tear it down out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David, for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. 
So here Solomon was aware what he was doing. God had time God had spoken to him instruction over and over again and had people in his life before he even walked in the kingship that hey you should cling on to the Lord's commandments so tightly so you do not fall away from him. Solomon was aware of what he was doing. He knew what God had told him. God had restrictions not on his life not to withhold something from him but to instead give him something. He, the Lord wanted to give him kingship. He wanted to give him blessing, prosperity, protection. Like I said, David on top of that, before he even walked into the role, before he received what God had for him, he gave him instruction, but yet he fell short. So one of the points that I want to make here is that failing to cling close to God and his word can open the door for idols to take place in our lives. So I searched up the definition of what idol meant in this context. And it says, an idol was defined as an image, form, or representation, usually of a man or other animal, consecrated as an object of worship. In other words, set aside for that purpose just to be worshipped. A pagan deity. Idols are usually statues or images or carved out of wood or stone or formed of metals, particularly silver or gold. And I also searched up another definition to relate today's context and today's time. It says an idol could be anything, anything on which we set our affections, that to which we indulge in excess and sinful attachment. In other words, anything that we put a greater value or priority of above God. You see, one of the lies that idols paint is that you know it's pleasurable that we can't live without it but one of the truths that i want to shed light on today is that idols lead us away from god so deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 5 and matthew 22 verses 37 both communicate the unchanging commandment of the lord from the old testament to the new testament god is still saying you should love the lord your god with all of your heart with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Within all those years that had passed by, we're living in the new covenant, and God is still saying you should love me with everything you got. And that looks different for every single person. You know, are we giving God our best? Are we giving God our time? Are we willfully spending time and growing our relationship with Jesus? And I, this message is for me too, because I am constantly challenging myself, you know, like, can I spend more time with him? Can I spend more time in his word? You know, there are so many things in my life that I am noticing that I need to surrender to God instead of surrendering it over to these idols. Anything that we place high value on and high priority, like I was saying, has the potential of becoming an idol. God should be first in our lives. He gives us life on earth and gives us eternal life in the life to come. If we receive it through Jesus by faith, he gives us our families. He gives us our friends and our loved ones. He gives us every single thing. The Bible tells us in John, in James chapter one, verses 17, excuse me, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. This is saying here that every good thing that we have comes from God. Whether it's money, whether it's our position or our job or career, it all comes from God. It all comes from God because He loves us. He desires us 
to live from a place of abundance, not so that we can hoard it, not so that we can make an idol out of it for it to take the place of God, so that, we, but instead we can take it and use it to bless others. We can reach those who are in need as well. What we have has the potential of becoming an idol when we treat it outside of God's original design. An example of this is money. The Bible does not condemn money. We need money to get food. We need money to pay our bills. We need money to get to and from our destination. Um, another example is that we need money to send our missionaries into the difficult places of the world with the technology we have today, with airplanes and all of the technology that we have to connect there, you know, as well as it equips us to provide for those who are in need. This is just a few examples of the many purposes that God has for money. However, the Bible clearly tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil in 1 Timothy. When we make money the goal outside of God's plan for our lives, it has the influence to pull us away from God. I want to say that again. When we make money the goal outside of God's plan for our lives, it has the influence to pull us away from God. We begin to make decisions from a point of view of money. How can I make more money? You know, how can I make sure that my bank account is secure? How can I make sure that I have the things that I want in my life? Therefore, I will make as much money as I can. When we begin to do that, we make decisions. We make decisions from that perspective rather than counseling or receiving wisdom from the Lord. Money is temporary while God and his counsel are eternal. I remember reading in the book of Proverbs that our wealth and our possession can grow wings and fly away. In other words, it's always fleeting. We can never have enough material things. We can never have enough money. We can never have the nicest vehicle or the nicest house. We will always be in want. But the psalmist David that when we make the Lord our shepherd, we shall not be in want. In other words, when we have God, we have everything. We have joy. We have peace. We have contentment that no matter what season that we are in, we can still declare that God is good. But as long as we are putting our faith in these idols that are always changing, that are always fleeing, that are deceptive, we will never ever come to a place of contentment and growth in the Lord. This leads me to my next point that idols can lead us to mistreat people. An example is in Judges chapter 8 verses 33 to 35 tells us, After the death of Gideon, the children of Israel's worship Baal, a false god, and made it their god. They made a covenant, which means an agreement to Baal, and did not remember the one true god, who delivered them from the hands of their all of their enemies. So Gideon... Who, was a chosen vessel of God to lead the Israelites, to lead the children of Israel in victory against their enemies. And soon after Gideon led the children of Israel in victory, he passed away in his later years. He fought for Israel, he served Israel, and he even interceded for Israel. He had a heart for Israel. But because they did not establish a firm foundation on who the one true God is and decided to put their faith and their trust in these false gods and these false idols and these false voices, they fell away and they began to mistreat the very people that led them in the victory. Gideon's, Gideon and his household led them into victory. But because they 
put their faith and trust, like I said in these other things, they mistreat the very people that led them into victory. All things in heaven and in earth were created in Jesus, through him and for him. If we do not know what he has to say about who we are and how we should treat people, we will begin to mistreat other people. We will not know how to treat other people. Our guidelines for how we should treat people are found in God's word alone. We should love people. Love includes grace and truth. It is always willing to forgive, but it is also necessary to speak truth. It may not what it may not be what we always want to hear, but it's essential for our growth. Jesus comforted people in their time of mourning here on earth, but he also said to get up and to take up our mat when it is time. In other words, Jesus came in grace and truth and he provided the example because many times we see a false representation of what love is and it's so easy to take it and to misinterpret it just because we do not know who God is. The Bible says that God is love and it is connecting me with my point that if we do not set our eyes on the one true God and we begin to let all these false idols or whatever is taking up our time to rob us of our time with Jesus, we will not be in unison. We will not be in unity with each other because it is through the Spirit of God, it is through God Himself that we will have unity, that we will have love and compassion. And people in our society and people in our communities today will be begin looking out for the interests of others rather than looking out on the interests of ourselves because we live in such an individualistic society to where we are focused on what we want and what we need. And I believe God is calling us back to a time of corporate union, corporate unity. And that comes from working together, praying for one another, serving one another. And as long as we are not willing to give up those idols or not willing to educate ourselves how severe idols are, then we will continue to lay it down and take it up for our convenience because day after day, you know, it is not a one-time thing of laying down an idol and giving it to God. It's a day and day, it's a day in and day out battle. What does it mean it's a day in and day out battle? We continue to give God our idols. We begin to give God things that we need to surrender, but we begin to take it up when it's convenient, fearing that God is not going to provide for that very thing that we are laying down. The things that we make idols are things that are killing us. They're things that are robbing us of our time with our family as well. An example is technology today. We can be sitting at the dinner table on our phones instead of spending time with people who truly matter. And that we can be on our phones later. And that's just one of the many examples that I noticed today. And one of the things that I personally struggle with, you know, I'll be sitting there and one of the rules that we have on the dinner table is no phones at the table. And, you know, that that trait and that quality and attribute has been so rooted in me that. You know, whenever I go anywhere else and not to judge or not to say that, you know, if you're on your phone, it's a wrong thing. But I notice how much time it robs from you, how much times that we find ourselves being on our phones rather than being in the here and now. I think a study was done that each and average person spends seven hours on their phones. And that's a lot of time. That is just as much as, you know, getting a good night's rest possibly or nine hours and some people even go on their phones even more. And I'm not saying that phones are bad. Phones are a tool. But when we begin to utilize our phones and allow it to 
idle time when we should be able to be doing something else, whether it's serving God, whether it's going out in the community, praying for people, or whether it's reading or studying, it can really take the time of what we should actually be doing. Idols lead you away from your calling, purpose, and it wages war with your identity. If you put your trust and faith in idols rather than God, it can lead you away from your calling, purpose, and influence others as well in their walk with God. We're going back to 1 Kings 9-11. through 11. Because Solomon chose to follow other gods, his son had to reap the harvest of what his father has sown. In other words, his son had to suffer the consequences of his father's actions. One of the things that I have learned in my walk with Christ is that there are generational curses. I can either be a vessel that God uses to bring forth and to birth his generational blessings through, or I can be the very same person that puts back those generational curses on when he's already broken it off. An example, an example could be, this is just an example, an, an example could be drug addiction or drinking or anything else that is socially accepted today, but is not socially accepted by God. You know, things, I want to I build on that a little bit. Things that are acceptable to the world are not always socially acceptable to God. The Bible says, Jesus says, if you are not for me, you are against me. And it's really important for us to grasp that. And it's really difficult for us to comprehend it that when we begin to coast, coasting is not necessarily growing. Coasting is maintaining. When we begin to coast, it opens the door for idols to present itself into our lives and to make room into our lives. And when it says it can influence others, our idols can lead other people astray. And it's so important for us to lay down our idols, not only for ourselves, but for everyone who has been placed into our lives because each time we take up an idol and each time we devote all that time and all that faith to that idol it robs somebody else of the opportunity to know jesus on an intimate level you know i think of idols and how pleasurable they are and how convincing they are to provide fulfillment some modern day idols include money they include reputation, position, or even ourselves could be idolized. Not to say that anything, any one of these are bad. You know, many of you might say that God wants me to have money. God wants me to have a position. God wants me to take care of myself. But when we begin to make that the goal, when we disregard the needs of others, when we disregard our time with Jesus, that's where it becomes a problem. And it's so amazing that I came across this scripture today and, you know, God was really speaking to me about it because many times when we think of the word idol, we don't, we think, I don't have any idols. 
You know, there isn't anything above Jesus. You know, God is first place in my life. I find that it's so easy to put God first, but it's a totally other challenge to keep him first. And I say that because it's so easy for our attention to wander away what we're supposed to be doing. You know, an example would be is to make time to read his word. I find myself sitting down and being in his word and all of a sudden I'm doing something else. I am on my phone. I am cleaning up or I am doing all these other things. And I'm not saying that those things are bad things. But when is when God is telling you to spend time with him, it's not for his benefit, but it's for ours so that he can impart the counsel and the wisdom and the understanding for us to receive for what we need this day. The book of Proverbs teaches us in all you're getting, get understanding. Make wisdom the principal thing. The book of James teaches us as well that if any of us lacks wisdom, we can ask how awesome it is that the author and finisher of our faith who knows the beginning and the end, the psalmist David tells us that he scheduled each and every one of our day. He knows what's going to happen before it even happens. So how awesome it is that we can ask our father in heaven for advice. We can ask him for counsel and wisdom before the scenario even happens. It's almost as if we're asking for wisdom and before it even happens, in that moment, we will know within insurance with the confirmation of his word of what he has spoken to us through our thoughts or through a deep knowing that we will know what to do. And he desires to be that involved with our lives. And idols drown out the voice of God. Like I said, none of these things are bad as far as what God has blessed us with and what God has so graciously given to us. It's not a bad thing. But when we begin to pursue those things over what God has given us, that's where it begins to threaten our relationship, our identity, our calling, and ultimately the way we treat people. Idols promise fulfillment, purpose, and prosperity, but only God can provide those things. You know, many of us do sports or many of us have careers. Jesus has given us those things as the avenue to, an example, career. We have careers so that we can minister to people. We have careers so that we can be the salt and light. We can show people who Jesus is. But we can also be in our careers as an avenue for us to receive income, for us to pay the bills, for us to take care of those who are in need, for us to contribute back to God, you know, give back our 10% to what belongs to God anyways. And, you know, I hear many times that, you know, God only want, God doesn't need my money. God can do anything. But God is works with us. He works with us. We are considered co-laborers. He wants us to be the hands and feet of the Jesus. How awesome it is that God wants to work with us and He chose us, He chosen us. He anointed us to do what He asks us to do. And how awesome that the God of the universe chose us. Every single person that has come to know Christ 
receives a purpose, receives a calling. And the more you want to know about God, he tells you about you first because he is dangerously in love with you. He will do whatever it takes to pursue you. He wants to bless you. He wants to protect you. He wants to guide you and lead you in that abundant life. You know, that abundant life is eternal life. He wants to lead us in a way that he wants to steer us away from things that turn us wrong, or he wants to steer us away from worldly trouble. But in order for us to do that, we need to identify the idols that are taking room in our lives. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way to God the Father. He is the way to eternal life. All truth is God's truth, and truth is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. He is also life. There is no life apart from Jesus. There is no fulfillment apart from Jesus because I can have the car. I can have the shoes. I can have the home. I can have the reputation. I can be the most influential person in the world, but yet feel so empty because God's supposed to be there. God is supposed to be the source of our life. He is the source. But are we allowing him to take care of us? Are we allowing him to speak to us? Are we recognizing these things that are drowning out his voice, that are threatening our calling on our life, that is waging war with our identity? Are we identifying these things? And am I identifying these things? You know, modern day idols are bells and whistles. They look good, they feel good, but they will never satisfy you because those things are fleeing. Satisfaction, contentment, joy, freedom, eternal life is only found in Jesus and Jesus alone. So I hope I encouraged you guys with this word. I know that this is a difficult subject to talk about. You know, I know that not many people talk about idols to this day, but I find that in a desperate world, we live in a society today that we have a world that caters to our every need so that we can gratify ourselves rather than glorifying God. So I pray that this is encouraging. I pray that if you find this video helpful, that you would share it with a friend. You know, you can click that share button. But thank you guys for allowing me to come on here. I thank the We Are In This Together team again for allowing me to speak. I hope you guys have a good rest of your week. I'll see you guys later. Bye.